listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. I'm super excited about this series that we're on called Walk It Like I Talk It. So if it's your first time, we're in part three of this series, but never too late, late never a bad time to join us. Last week, Heath in part two, uh, he reminded us of this, this premise of James. This, uh, James is the brother of Jesus, and this series is talking, to some, talking through some truths about uh, God and the way that as we have a relationship with God, how, how we walk that out in our faith. Hence, walk it like I talk it. And Heath was talking about how your faith should inform your works. Your, your, your faith, what you believe, should inform your life, your actions, the way you live it out. And your works, your life, should reflect your faith. So, so your faith should inform your works and your work should reflect your faith. This is something that's like, a, it's a give and take. You should, they shouldn't be opposites. You shouldn't walk one thing and talk another and, and believe one thing. And then as you live it out, it looks completely different. And so James gives us some clear pictures of what that looks like to walk out our faith. And so tonight I wanna to talk about one thing. I, I am surprised just how much James talks about this. He places such a huge emphasis on favoritism. Now, favoritism, it's something that we all actually feel, we all experience in our lives, and sometimes it's in our head, and, and, and we, but sometimes we take actions around it, but it's something that we've experienced our whole life. I mean, like since, since the beginning of elementary school when your teacher had a teacher's pet, and then somehow in senior year of high school, that person was still the teacher's pet, and if you think about that person right now in your head, you feel like, unless it was you, like... And that's okay if it was, by the way. You feel some frustration or some, there's something, right? There's, there's something. That's a little bit of favoritism due to the favoritism that that person got. Or maybe it was a coach's favorite. Or, or maybe you, some of you babysit for families and you, they have four kids. And somehow you can tell me right now which one is your favorite. You just have a favorite, and this is, this is true of me. This is my family, uh, my three children anyway, uh, Nelson and Emmy and Molly. And sometimes I tell my wife, Leslie, I'm like, Leslie, um, my favorite this week is Emmy. Look at that Band-Aid and the single shoe that she has and the pigtails. I mean, it's amazing. And Leslie's like, you can't have favorites. These are your children. <laughs> like, like this is us together. These are our kids. And you can't say that you love one more than the other or treat one more than the other or, or want to hang out with one more than the other. And I'm like, well, you're probably right. And if I'm really walking it like I'm talking it, that's probably true, but it's just what I feel. Just look at her, you know? And so, so I, even I have favorites. I am 36 years old and I still can't get over the fact that I love one of my children more than the other sometimes, but it switches, okay? Don't, it's just week to week, it changes. And so they all get their time as my favorite. But I think James would tell me, that's not right. You can't do that. You, you can't believe what you believe about God and his son, Jesus, and the way that he lived it out and desired to live it out and still do that. And obviously my wife is a little bit more like Jesus than I am, but listen, I'm, I'm working through it with the rest of you, okay? So here's what James had to say. Here's how he started. Here's how, how um, uh, pointed what he said was about favoritism. He said, my brothers and sisters, believers 
in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking to the believers, the Christians. So uh, some of this, uh, if you haven't quite decided to start your relationship with Jesus or put your faith in Jesus, totally cool. Just know that James is writing specifically to people who believe that Jesus is the son of God, that, that he's the risen savior and they need to uh, make, him, make him their Lord and savior and follow some of his instruction. And so he's saying, listen, if you believe that, here's how you need to walk that out. Believers, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. So that's clear that there's just, he's, he's just given it right out of the gate. But then if there's, he realizes, James realized there, there's a little bit left up to interpretation here. So uh, what he's gonna do is he's gonna say, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Just in case you can say, yeah, I know people who play favorites, who show favoritism, who treat people differently than others, but, but it's not me. He says, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So he gives us an example. He says, suppose a man comes into your meeting or your class or your dorm uh, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. Okay, he's got it going on, he's high class. And then a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. So he paints this picture, he's like, let me show you what favoritism looks like. They're both people that God has created and you observe this thing about this one and you observe this thing about this one and in your mind, favoritism has started. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, oh, what's up? Here's a good seat for you. Come sit here, come sit by me, let's hang. But you say to the poor man, you stand there, here, there, or sit on the floor by my feet. Uh, he's obviously going, this is, listen, this is what favoritism looks like. You come in, you just see them. You don't know them. You haven't had a conversation with them. And even if you have, you've just decided, okay, I'm gonna treat this one differently than this one based on whatever thing I think is okay. He says, if you do this, have you not discriminated? Have you not discriminated among yourselves? So this is specific because he's talking about favoritism as discrimination and he's talking specifically among people. He's not talking about like, what's your favorite Dairy Queen blizzard? What is it? Oreo. Yeah, Oreo, very good. Cappuccino Heath is mine. It's like the Heath bar with a little bit of the coffee flavor in it. It's delicious. Um, or like, what's your favorite candy? And I'm like, oh, definitely Reese's Easter eggs because it's a softer chocolate on the outside and a lot more peanut butter on the inside. It's obviously the best. Now, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Those are favorites. That's not favoritism. Favoritism has to do with people, interactions, relationships. He says, have you not discriminated among yourselves? And then he says, and become judges with evil thoughts. This is where I love this. He starts by saying, hey, you can't, you can't show favoritism. You can't play favorites. Because when you do, when you look at two people or one person compared to the rest and you decide to think differently and treat them differently, what you're doing is you're making yourself judge. And when you and I judge, we do it with evil thoughts because not a single one of us can do it purely. There's not a single person on earth who can judge someone with completely pure conscience, with completely pure thoughts. There's actually, scripture teaches us, teaches us that there's actually only one righteous judge and that's God. He is literally the only one 
who can judge people. We have no right to. And when we begin to, and we begin to judge, and then we have actions based on that judgment, that's favoritism. And we have to know as right as we think we are, as justified as we think we are, we can't be a pure judge. There is only one judge. And so when we begin to treat someone differently based on something that we think is okay, some parameters that we think is okay, he's saying, you can't be the judge because you can't do it purely. So here's what he's saying favoritism is. Anytime that we judge with our thoughts and then discriminate with our actions at someone's expense. He's like, here's the example I'm trying to give you. The example that James is giving, he's saying, I just want you to know anytime, anytime that we judge with our thoughts, we're gonna do it with evil thoughts. We're not gonna do it with pure thoughts. That's just us as broken people and all of us who make mistakes and we're sin and we sin and we're broken. That puts us all on this playing field of we're not all allowed to be the judge because we'll do it uh, with evil thoughts. And then, we, th- then our thoughts turns into actions. And the actions end up, again, this is why it's different than the candy or the blizzard because it's at someone else's expense. Someone else is going to be hurt. Someone else is going to be treated less than. We're saying that someone else has less worth that someone else is uh, less worthy of love, less worthy of your time or other people's time, less worthy of your love, less worthy of your positive treatment, less worthy of your text message to respond to them because you've just chosen, you know what? I won't respond to them, but I will respond to them just because of something they've done, that we have judged them. So, so I just wanna ask to start, who's the poor man in your life? Who's the one, who's the person or the people in your life as you think through who, who have I probably unfairly judged? Even though to, until tonight, I've probably said it's fair, but when I begin to try and walk out my faith, if J- James, again, he's talking to believers. If I'm a believer, if I'm a Christian, I'm trying to walk this thing out. I'm gonna have to figure out how to not show favoritism, not discriminate, not, not think differently and act differently towards this person. I'm just gonna have to figure it out if I wanna figure out how to walk out this faith in Jesus because he is the only one who can judge fairly. And so I don't know who the poor person is in your life. Maybe it's just a friend who's just annoying. And and when you start inviting people to hang out, you're like, you know what? I think I'm just not gonna include this person. And you know that. Or maybe you include them and something in you hopes. I'm gonna include them, but you know this thought in your head is, but I kind of hope they don't show up because they're just not fun because they've actually hurt me with some words that they've said to me. And maybe it's somebody who's hurt you or somebody who's hurt a friend of, your, a friend of yours and you've, you've, begun to gone, you've gone ahead and judged them instead of forgiving them and being gracious with them and being merciful with them, you've just judged them. And now you're gonna show favoritism towards everyone else but them. You're gonna treat them differently. Who is the poor man in your life. And, and some of those things are small because it's just like, you just can't believe that she pledged that sorority or they just dress differently than you do. But some of it is a little bit more serious. Favoritism dips into this, this realm of something more serious where, where you're treating them differently or ostracizing them because of what they believe or maybe because of the culture that they grew up in that's different than yours or the color of their skin. Or maybe it's because it, like in this case where it is actually a social status 
thing. In fact, right now, it's so crazy. I know this because I'm an adult standing up here and I've got three kids and I should be past this, but um, I have a men's small group right now. And there is a guy in my small group who, um, based on uh, the, the life that he lives and the car that he drives and the clothes that he wears and the house that he lives in, uh, he's in a higher social status than me. And sometimes, I know that y'all came off this money series. If you haven't listened to No Money, No Problems, it's awesome. Uh, but, but sometimes when he's talking about money, I'm judging him in my heart. I'm like, man, you got nothing to worry about. And so because uh, for some reason, I'm feeling these things in my heart. And thankfully, um, as believers, uh, we, we believe that God lives inside of us as the Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, Stuart, don't do that. You can't do that. That's showing favoritism. That's judging him. And you can't be the judge of him. So I wish that I was over this, but I'm trying to walk it out just like you are. And maybe in today's climate, it, it, it isn't social status. It isn't race. It, it, maybe uh, for you, it's a political climate and, and you, they are a Trump supporter and you're like, nope, I'm gonna treat them totally differently. Or they are a Biden, Kamala supporter and you're like, no, I can't do that. And for some reason, you've found that you've gone ahead and decided to treat them differently because of some political belief. And James is saying, you can't. As long as you're trying to follow Jesus's example, you can't. Walk it out that way. He goes on. He says, if you, if you really keep the royal law, we know it as the golden rule, the highest law in the land, the emphasis that Jesus made, um, if you're gonna keep, really keep the royal law found in scripture, which is love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. So if you can do that, if you can love your neighbor as yourself, and let me clarify neighbor really fast. Jesus gave some pretty clear examples to let you and I know that your neighbor is not just the person like you, your neighbor is anyone who is around you, no matter what they look like or how old or what they believe or what color their skin is or whether you like them or whether you don't or whether you hold some things against them or whether you don't, whether you wanna hang up with, out with them or whether they don't. If they are around you in your sphere of influence, Jesus is going, that's your neighbor just to be clear. So he's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing the right thing. But as far as favoritism goes, if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers, by the royal law. So he's saying, love your neighbor as yourself or show favoritism. He's just putting favoritism here and loving your neighbor here. Favoritism here, looking at any one of your neighbors, anyone in your life and beginning to choose to treat them differently, choose to leave them out, choose to not include them. If you're doing that with anyone, it's the opposite of walking out your faith, of walking like you talk. It's the opposite of allowing your faith to inform your works, your faith to inform your life. And love your neighbor as yourself when James is talking about the scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus actually came, he showed up on the scene and he won up to the royal law. He said, it used to be love your neighbor as yourself, but I just want you to know, it's actually love your neighbor as I have loved you and given up my life for you. That's the standard. That no matter who is in your life, we're being challenged. James is challenging us and Jesus challenged us to go, hey, you're actually called to love them the way that I have loved you and I have completely given myself up for you and forgiven you 
as much as I am the only righteous judge and he could judge all of us and we would all be found guilty. Instead of uh, continuing to pour on the judgment, he says, hey, I'm the great judge. I, I didn't send, God said, I didn't send Jesus into the world to judge you. I sent him to save you. That's the kind of mercy and grace that our God continues to pour on us and that James is saying that we've got to now take and receive and give to others. So here's what life looks like if you're, if you're walking out that life of love under the royal law, that you're gonna to need to speak and you're gonna to need to act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. I love that he uses this word. So he's saying, listen, so, so based on that, you and I need to walk out our lives as people who by the one righteous judge, the hev our heavenly father, that if, that, if, that if he is looking down and saying, are you loving one another as Christ has loved you? If, if you're speaking and acting under that one law, first of all, I just want you to know that that gives freedom. We don't have a God who gives us laws so that he can then find us guilty. We don't have a law, a God who gives us rules, who's overlooking you and me and just waiting for us to do something wrong. He actually gives us laws and suggestions out of his great immeasurable love for us because he wants you and I to experience freedom in this life. And that is what following the instructions and the guidance of God and watching Jesus's life, that walking that out and following that law, that actually provides freedom. It's not restricting. It is a life of love and grace and forgiveness and freedom because judgment without mercy is gonna be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. This is a little bit scary to think about that James is going, not only do you not need to show favoritism, if you, if you do not show mercy, if you show favoritism and judgment instead of mercy to the people around you, then judgment without mercy is gonna be shown to you. Anyone who doesn't do that. Now that, that becomes to me, when I read that, I'm like, okay, that, that is a little bit scary um, to think about that, that not only is he saying, this is how you should live out your life, that you should show mercy to every single person around you. And when you begin to start feeling yourself judging someone in your life, that the Holy Spirit would say, hey, you need to show them mercy. You need to show them grace because there's a law that gives freedom and there's only one righteous judge. And so now he's putting, he's putting favoritism and judgment of people on one end of the spectrum. And then he's putting a life of love and mercy, loving our neighbor as Christ has loved us and being merciful with them. That, that's, that's the only way that we're literally gonna walk out our faith. As soon as we drift over here, thank goodness for you and I, because we will continue to struggle with this. Um, we will continue to try and discern whether we're, we're treating someone unfairly. And, and, and actually because we're broken, we'll, we'll drift some towards that. And unfortunately, we live in a culture and a world where favoritism is normal. We're treating someone different because of who they are, what they wear, what they believe, uh, uh, what their political view is. If, you, if tre treating someone differently because of those things, that's normal in our world. So James is going, we want you to do something totally different, to live in a totally different way by choosing to show everyone mercy. And his next line, his next line is the one why that he's the reason, the purpose that he's really taking us on this journey to, to discourage us from um, showing favoritism. 
So, so we pick up right where we left off, where he says um, that because judgment without mercy, this, this kind of line is a little bit scary, will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. But then he gives us the reason why. He says, mercy triumphs over judgment. You want to know why, why you don't need to go around judging someone and treating someone differently because of any reason why, why we're led to treat someone in our lives, a friend, an acquaintance, a classmate, differently, a family member, a sibling. Because mercy wins. Judgment will never help us make progress in life. That the truth is mercy has more power to change than judgment. Mercy is the thing that actually is going to cause someone to change. Mercy is the thing that's actually gonna cause someone to change their behavior, to change their heart, to change their belief, to begin to be drawn to, the, to Jesus Christ, to the God that you've put your faith in. If we move over to judgment and say, just because you believe that or you act that way, you can reflect on life at times where you've chosen to treat someone differently and you... You and I both know that when we start treating someone differently, it doesn't cause them to become the person we want them to be. It doesn't cause them to change the things that actually um, create us to feel annoyed by them. It doesn't, not, at no point is our judgment of someone, our treating someone differently going to change them. It's showing someone mercy that actually has the power to produce change in someone's life. That's why the great, righteous judge, instead of looking down and judging all of us, he says, instead, what I'm going to do, even though all of us are guilty, I'm gonna send my son so that I can show you mercy. So that I can give you freedom. I could judge you, but I'm not going to. I'm just gonna show you mercy and mercy because mercy is what actually draws us to him. That love is what actually draws us to him. If he was just a judge, we would not be drawn to him. It's actually his love and his grace that draws us to him and produces this change in our life. Guys, we have a God who loves to be merciful. In fact, scripture says that, that uh, his, his mercies are new every morning. That as you and I, we walk through life and we think, oh, I messed up again. I did something wrong again. And we think, uh oh, he's probably up there judging me. No, he's up there giving you new mercies every morning. And he delights in showing us mercy. And that is good news for us. We don't have to sit here and stand condemned. We can sit here and just receive his mercies and his grace that, that are pouring, unending. And he's saying, hey, as I give you this, would you just pour it out on, on my people, on, on my sons, on my daughters, on the people around you, on the people that I've made in my image? Would you just, all of your neighbors, would you just take the mercy that I'm giving you day after day and would you just live that out in your life? Because it's mercy that triumphs over judgment. It's mercy that produces change in our lives. There's an um, iconic scene uh, in Les Mis, Who's seen Les Mis? Okay, most of you. This, this scene where um, there's a guy, I'll, I'll paint the picture for you, where there's this guy, Jean Valjean, 
and uh, he's just released from, released from prison where he was a thief and he finally gets out of prison and, and he's trying to figure out how, he's poor and he has nothing and, uh, and he finds himself hungry at the door of this monastery and, and the bishop opens the door and he lets him in and he gives him some food and then at night when everybody goes to sleep, Jean Valjean knows, okay, the only way I can actually start my life after spending 19 years in prison is there's a lot of expensive stuff in this monastery. If I just take all the silver and I take all the things that are worth something, I'll just steal all of them and that will actually help me get my life going again because I have nothing right now. And so we're gonna, we're gonna actually watch this clip. And it's an incredible picture of what mercy looks like, but also the way that mercy triumphs over judgment. The way that mercy is the thing that changes lives, that transforms lives, our lives and the lives of those around us. So we're gonna pick this up right in that scene. I love that scene. And that is literally him, him choosing to say, to tell, to tell the policemen with, with the policemen looking on who have just caught him stealing and the ladies in the monastery looking on, he goes and says, no, he can have it all. And not only that, he can have these candlesticks too and he, he can go and he can take it and I'm gonna show him this mercy. And he looks him right in the eyes and he says, go ahead and let this begin the beginning, let this be the beginning of your transformation. Because if he was, he was guilty and if he was judged by those policemen left to just be judged, he'd be sent back to jail. But, the, but judgment doesn't bring transformation or change in our lives. It's the mercy of this bishop. And for you and I, it's the mercy that we receive from God that we then live out and we show those around us and it begins to transform their lives and not just their lives, that you know that those ladies who are watching on, the policemen who were looking on, when they saw this and experienced this, there's no way they can't go home and allow that to rattle them and go, what type of love is this? And when you and I look different than culture because we're choosing to show people mercy and grace instead of, instead of the easy route and the natural route is, and is judging them, when you and I begin to walk out our faith with, with mercy and with grace towards those around us, the people will see it. And that's what actually brings transformation. That's what actually draws people to our savior is to delight in showing mercy, just like our heavenly father delights in showing us. And so to close out today, what I wanna do is, is I just, um, I wanted to give us a few questions for you to think about. We're gonna sing one more song that talks about our God who, who delights in showing mercy. And I really want you guys to think about these questions that are ways that your life could look like, ways that what could mercy look like for each of us? What could it look like for you and I to live out a life of mercy? And so I'm just gonna maybe plant a few questions in your mind that allows you to process, allows God to work on your heart and help us identify. Because even as I've been working on this talk, uh, God has been showing me some of the things that I mentioned to you tonight, but ways where, where I, I need to show more mercy. And so I, I don't know uh, which one of these or if one of these resonates with you, but I, I would love to just invite God to, you to allow God to, to, to work in your heart and bring some things to light, ways that you can allow him to change your life and those around you through showing the mercy of our heavenly father to those around you. So, so maybe it's, um, uh, who, who can you forgive that is actually in the wrong? Who, who in your life 
can you forgive even if you already know that they're wrong? That you think I'm, I'm justified in judging them and treating them differently. And maybe God's encouraging you to reach out and forgive them and begin to treat them with mercy. Uh, who have you disagreed with? Think, think, who have you just disagreed with lately that you need to reach back out and just seek to understand their point of view a little bit more? That, that you've disagreed with, that mercy would look like you reach back out. Hey, I know we disagreed on this. I, I would love to hear a little bit more of your side, why you feel the way you feel, even though I feel different, differently. Who, who, who just needs more of your time and attention? That you realize that favoritism to you has, has looked like you've drawn away from this person and towards this group or away from this group and towards this person. And you realize, oh, that's a, that was a bit of favoritism. And who do you think God is maybe encouraging you to draw towards? Who's someone who you can show compassion to that's in need in your life? That you think that, wow, I, I, have, I, I have been blind or I have turned away from that need. And I think mercy looks like stepping in to that person's life, into that family's life and choosing to show them compassion. Who in your life do you think God is challenging you to accept exactly as they are? You've been hoping that they would just change and, and, and stop doing something, stop communicating some way, stop being something. And God is gonna encourage you to start being merciful with them and loving them and accepting them just as they are.